1: Happy Wednesday football fans and welcome into another edition of the Pro Football Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy and I discuss trending topics from around the NFL including Jay Gruden's firing, the Cowboys recent struggles, and the Raiders' impressive start. Plus, Eagles standout defensive end Brandon Graham joins the show to talk about their early season turnaround. This is the Pro Football Chase Podcast, a podcast that has featured interviews with Rams wide receiver Robert Woods.
0: To 1,000 yards, um, and you know, last
2: year, enforcement got hurt mid-mid, way in the season, but other than that, just, just working and grinding to, to get to this point, and uh, probably broke it with a lot of games left.
1: Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling.
2: Uh, just the fact that we got a, uh, you know, an uh, all-pro on the other side of the ball, um, um, So when you got a guy like that, you know, that's just going to get the main focus. Um, obviously, you know, people start to know my name a little bit after I made a few plays here and there.
1: Broncos offensive guard Ronald Leary.
2: It would either have to be a counter or uh, a pin, pin and pull play when we get on the edge and run. Uh, I think it's always impressive when big guys can't get out of that stance and move against somebody. So.
1: And rising stars Dalton Risner, Charles Amenahu, and Jawan Williams. This is a podcast that offers player perspectives from some well-decorated veterans, including T.J. hushman zada And
3: people will say, oh, well, is that person got a franchise quarterback? Uh,
2: look, look at his record, doesn't It, it tell you he is? Oh, he has a great position, he has his Ezekiel Elliott. You tell me a quarterback in the entire NFL, that's not
1: time-breaking that does more with that game previews recaps and analysis turn the volume up the chase is on and the chase is live good afternoon everybody and welcome into the pro football chase podcast it's isaac signs with you along with my co-host jarell worthy today we have an nfl player joining the podcast for an interview it's eagles defensive end brandon graham brandon graham a super bowl winner was drafted by the eagles in the first round of the 2010 nfl draft He is a solid foundational piece for the philadelphia eagles so brandon thanks again for joining us how are you doing today
3: oh man i appreciate y'all having me Uh, i'm doing doing really good just
2: um you know just enjoying family time absolutely man i just want to make sure uh we send out our respects to your wife man we know she's going through a lot of stuff man and we just want to send our support and our prayers for her and your family and all that stuff too man so we want to make sure that she recovers well and uh and uh, get back on a good foot
3: i appreciate you man
1: That is indeed well said, Jarrell. So, Brandon, let's go back to Sunday, man. You and that Eagles front got after the Jets. You had a career game in that 31-6 victory, and you had three sacks in that contest and were the first Eagle since Fletcher Cox last year and the first defensive end since Trent Cole back in 2013 to get three sacks in a game, man. So what fueled that big outing?
3: Uh, Just, you know, going in there. Uh, prepared knowing um you know- so, knowing the scheme you know how we're trying to attack them and how they trying to attack us uh helped out a lot uh they gave us some some tips on film you know that show when it was you know run past and you know we was happy to um you know just play so that that made me play a lot faster having little tips like that.
2: You guys have been bread hot over the last few weeks um i just wanna i just wanna ask. You know how exciting is it to you know be in the locker room, uh, being a culture like the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you guys, you know, always seem to have your backs against the wall. Um, you know, week in and week out, and you guys always seem to respond in the right way. Uh, just talk about the mindset that you guys go into, uh, going to work week in and week out, um, that allows you to be able to um, to face adversity like you do.
3: Um, I think you know it start off with the the head, the coach, the head coach, you know, and so. When he's not panicking, you know, when he's not a panicker, he's most, you know, even killed, Just try to tell you where we where we getting hidden. You know, we make adjustments. And, uh, you know, some coaches you got that give you the little hoorah, but that's, that's expected. But, um, you know, with our group, we got a bunch of good group. I mean, a bunch of good leaders, you know, a bunch of good people that can, um, you know, when things get out of hand, you know, people can keep everybody, you know, sane um, because of the type of leadership we got and the respect we got for each other.
1: Take me back to that Thursday night game against Green Bay. That was a huge sway victory for your team. You were down a lot of top players, especially in the secondary. You were a bend, not break mentality. But when it mattered the most in the red zone, you put the clamps on Aaron Rodgers. You got a big-time road victory. Take us into the locker room after that game. And now it really has helped y'all's turnaround in this early season.
3: Uh, well, you know... Halftime, you know, we go into the locker room. You know, things ain't going like you wanted to go. Uh, but, you know, um, we just made the adjustments. And, you know, we know Aaron Rodgers, we can't give him too many chances to do anything. So we uh, want to want to make sure that we took advantage, you know, of any opportunity that came our way. Uh, that was a big, you know, uh, fourth down, you know, stop um, on the goal line. You know, that started off. Uh, heading us in the right direction, and then you know one of our guys get hurt uh, later on in the game, and then you know uh, a, a guy come in that ain't really got that many reps, and go in and 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 get after it for one play, man, and and won the game for it. it. Just you know shows you the depth that we got, and um, you know how how good of a, a team, a uh, full team that we have um, when we could just throw guys out there, and you know they they end up making plays for us.
2: Man, I'm excited to hear about all that, man. Um, you know, you guys have three road games coming up. One Vikings on the road this week, and then you guys have the Dallas Cowboys, a division rival. Um, and then you go on the road to Buffalo, man, the team that's been playing well defensively. Uh, tell me about the mindset and, um, you know, the concentration that you guys are going to have to have over the next couple of weeks in order to uh, sway things in your direction.
3: Uh, we got to make sure we don't look too far ahead. You know, we got Minnesota this week. Let's handle them. We know we got three road games. That's okay. You know, but no matter what we play, we just got to make sure we lined up and, um, you know, make sure we prepare for whoever's in front of us. So uh, I think, you know, this week we worried about the, the Vikings. You know, we know what's coming up next, but, you know, we got to handle right now. And um, we got to make sure we stop the running game um, with Dalvin Cook.
1: As Drew just mentioned, Minnesota, you just talked about it, Brandon, that offensive attack there for the Vikings. They currently are third in the NFL with Dalvin Cook, who's leading the NFL on the ground. And you all, Philadelphia, you actually are one of the top in the league as far as run defense. You're allowing an average of 63 yards per game. So with Fletcher Cox anchoring the middle and you got other guys coming off the edge, Derek Barnett, Josh Wett, what are you all looking to focus in on as a defensive unit going on the road to take on the Vikings?
3: Uh, just making sure that we we stop the running game, play together, and uh, you know make sure that you don't have any mental busts as far as you know the scheme on what we do, you know, because uh, that's always important, you know, because once you get one guy out of out of his gap or one guy that misses his assignment on whatever play call whatever the play was called, you know you can't have you can't have those mistakes in big games, and we gotta make sure we eliminate the penalties because uh, that's been sneaking up on us the last couple weeks.
2: Man, well, that's definitely uh, important, man. Coming up this week, man, I think you guys have a great opportunity um, to put some games together. I'm gonna take a little bit of a turn, man. I just wanna, I want to congratulate you on the, on the, on the, birth of your son this year, man. Um, you know, the expansion of your family. Um, I just want you to talk about, you know, how important it is to have that, you know, that work life balance. Um, you know, and how important it is to have a great uh, support system um, that you have uh, when it comes to your wife. Well, you know, um, my wife definitely
3: is my balance. You know, and for me, you know, I can go out there and you know focus on what I need to focus on. you know when I'm out out there on the field, and then when I'm when I'm at home, you know I'm at home. You know I try to I try to have an on and off switch. Try not to bring work home. You know, uh, try to you know enjoy it, enjoy life regardless if we win, lose, or draw. It don't matter. Uh, because this time that I got right now, you know, I just had baby boy, uh, I got baby girl, she's three now. You know, the time is just flying. I'm trying to make sure I spend as much time with my family as much as I can while I'm playing, and then when I'm done, you know, I know I'm going to have a, a lot of time to do a lot of things and watch them grow. And, um, you know, I'm just happy I'm able to put myself in position and put my family in a position for us to be able to, you know, enjoy and do do some things with each other.
1: Well, Brandon, congrats again, man. Kind of piggybacking on Drills' comment there. That's awesome. I think it's great that you're able to spend this time with your family. And I'm assuming, man, as an NFL player, you got busy schedules with film and training and, and workout sessions. So along those same lines, you talked about staying home with your family. Let's talk a little bit about the city of Philadelphia and the environment at The Link. What is it like to be playing for such a, a hostile, energetic, and ruckus home crowd? Uh,
3: Well, you know, it's it's cool, you know, but just know if you're losing, they're going to boo you too. You know, you, <laughs> you get you get it both ways. You get the cheers and the boos. You know, when you're winning, it's all good. But, you know, when you're losing, they let you know for sure, you know, uh, that you need to pick it up. So um, being here 10 years, you know, I understand the passion. I understand, you know, uh, the grind of the fans, you know, wanting what they want each and every year, you know, on a championship. And I was, uh, you know, just happy that we at least got to get one while I was playing with them, you know, and uh, their very first one in a long time. So, you know, um, it's one of those things where now we got to figure out, you know, how, how can I, you know, maximize that after football.
2: Man, that's phenomenal, man. I just want to, you know, me being a defensive lineman, I just want you to, you know, shed some light on, you know, how cool it is to have uh, such a rich defensive line culture. you know, dating all the way back to Trent Cole, all the way back to Reggie White. Um, you guys uh, were one, one sack away from uh, from the, the franchise record um, put on by Reggie White back in the day. And I just wanted to um, just shed some light on how, how great is it coming to work um, every day, being around a great group of guys, um, you know, such as Fletcher Cox. You guys have Malik Jackson this year. And um, just shed some light on that.
3: Uh, well, you know. It's it's always cool that um, upstairs, um, the front office bring you know brings a lot of guys in, and, you know they bring a lot of good guys. That's what they pride themselves on, bringing a b- bunch of players players that can help us. And you know not only can they help us, but they're good guys. And you know sometimes you know you, you miss on people, but I think for the most part, you know they've been doing good. Uh, and then this year, with Malik and those guys, you know Malik got hurt this year. He's out for the year, but. He's still around. He's still enjoying, you know, uh, being in meetings and just being around the guys because, you know, you can feel the genuine, you know, um, the love and genuine, you know, respect we have for each other. And uh, you could tell everybody there that's there, you know, want to work towards winning the championship. So um, going in every day, you know, it makes it easier. It don't even seem like work because, you know, you're always talking about something funny or, you know, you know how to you know how to really turn it on and off uh, when it's time to work.
1: Brandon, let's keep it in the trenches. A couple more questions here before we uh, let you go. But man, this Eagles offensive line is just as stout as that D line led by Kelsey and Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson and Jason Peters, the veteran out there on the left side. Can you talk about their dominant presence on that offensive <laughs> side of the football and how they help? Set the tone early in games with smash-mouth football at the line of scrimmage.
3: Well, you know, it starts in practice with us. Uh, we make sure, you know, we sharpen each other. Uh, you know, with us being a, a good group on the D-line, you know, and knowing the opportunities and the, and the, and the, um, the chances to get better because of the O line type of O-line we do have, you know, we, we don't take it for granted. I, I try to make sure I go hard against Lane each and every day, that I'm out there whenever we're on the field. Um, and, you know, we, 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 we continue to keep sharpening each other. And I think, <clears throat> you know, it always starts up front, um, offensive line, defensive line. Who's going who's gonna to change the line of scrimmage? You know, if you're going to change it, you're going gonna to let them be all in your backfield or you're going to knock them off the ball. Or we're going to be all in their backfield on defense or they're going to knock us off the ball. You know, you got to make that choice every play. And you know it's not just one play. You gotta you gotta come ready to play every play. And um, you know, like what we say, every play matters. So you better bring your big boy, big boy pants. You know, and and, and come on, man. <laughs> and then,
2: and then, and then, and, it, and it's and it shows, man. And, um, within the defense, within the offense, within the team. Um, The front office continues to bring in the the right type of people that that messes well with your culture. Um, A few years back, bringing in Nigel Brenham, um, this past year, bringing in Zach Brown. Um, Talk about, uh, you know, how great it is to have D-Jack back, you know, on the team. Man, a familiar face that's had a lot of success in the city, had a lot of success for your organization previously. And uh, a guy that you guys will be hoping to get back soon. Um, Just talk about his importance and um, how well he's been fitting with the team since he's been back. Well, you know, it was
3: easy. It was easy for him to come back. You know, he always wanted to be here. Just, you know, circumstances change. You know, didn't didn't go so well for him in the beginning. You know, have a great first game, and then you know he get hurt. I think, you know, with him, you know, when he get back, he's just gonna complete. You know, what we already kind of got going on. You know, he gonna gonna add bonus. It's gonna be an added bonus to get him back because you know we doing we doing really good now with without them but you know it's going to be
2: even better
1: well Brandon man I don't want to keep you much longer I hear you got your family there we really appreciate you taking the time to join us you know you got a game coming up on Sunday so blessings to you man and your family as well as the team and best of luck the rest of the way
3: thank you appreciate y'all having me on
1: Man,
2: absolutely, bro. It's been a pleasure. I just want to let you know that my man Isaac is the biggest Cowboys fan, so please (laughs) handle business in a couple weeks. I'm going to be rooting for you, dog. I'm always rooting against those boys. Uh, So at the end of the day, Enjoy these next couple weeks, man. Um, you know, continue to stay blessed, man, and stay healthy. And uh, we appreciate you guys being on. Uh, I
3: appreciate you, man. And uh, y'all boys, you know, you see what happened when y'all play somebody, man. <laughs> oh, it, man. It ain't that easy.
1: Hey, <laughs> hey man, I'm about to make sure that this part is off the podcast, bro. You, you have no clue how worried I am about that game in a couple weeks, man. You,
3: you know, it's going to be a good one, though, because, you know, they, they get riled up for us.
1: I appreciate you taking the time, man. Have a good rest of the afternoon. All right. Talk to
2: y'all, boys. All right, bro. Take care, bro. All
1: right, boy. Well, it's always great to be joined by NFL players on the Pro Football Chase Podcast. So, again, a big thanks to Brandon Graham of the Philadelphia Eagles for joining us. I know, Jarrell, you're close friends with him. So, big props to you for setting this thing up. But, you know, players always bring that perspective about the game. And especially right in the middle of a game week, he's got the Vikings coming up on Sunday. So that always makes it some interesting content for sure.
2: Man, it's uh it was great to have him on. Um I think he delivered some great content. Um it's actually pretty cool, you know, he was watching his children in the background and um you know, everybody doesn't necessarily get the perspective of the, you know, the work life and the home life and you know, obviously him dealing with things with his wife. It was a uh, we were very fortunate for him to, you know, have a take some time out to to give us his perspective about you know the Eagles' success and um, and everything moving forward, man. And I wish him nothing but uh, but the best of luck, man. And I know obviously you got a little bittersweet uh, feel for him because you know he's over there in that Philly uniform, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I know how you feel about your Cowboys, man. So it should be exciting in a couple weeks, man, when they square up.
1: Yeah, no, know. He, he even alluded to that. He's like, it's always a good showdown between the Cowboys and Eagles. And you're right about that. He wears that Eagles green, but hey, nothing but respect for him. He's got himself a heck of a career 10 seasons in and he's uh, got a Super Bowl ring. So awesome. I enjoyed the interview. So now we're going to go ahead and segue into our fact fiction segment. We've kind of organized some things a little bit differently, but it's good. Got to keep people on their toes here on the Pro Football Chase podcast. So Let's start off with the hot topic that dropped on early Monday morning as the Washington Redskins, they decided to start Black Monday very early in October, firing Jay Gruden after five and a half seasons. They were coming off an embarrassing, yet expected 33-7 drubbing at the hands of the New England Patriots. And so now the statement here, Jarrell, is... The Redskins firing of Jay Gruden will solve the franchise's longstanding reputation of dysfunction under owner Daniel Snyder and President Bruce Allen. Is that a fact or fiction? Man, that you absolutely
2: know that that is fiction, that those guys will have opportunity to turn it around. Uh, you know, when you're trying to, when you're dealing with the type of egos that you're dealing with, um, at the ownership position, uh, like Dan Snyder and, uh, and his inability to to make the right decisions uh, when it comes to his product. Um, You know, you you understand that uh, the the Redskins have been in a bad position for years. Um, You know, since 1999, these guys have had uh, four coaches that have had success in in other places, other tenures. Um, All of their assistant coaches are now um, on winning programs at this point in time. And so you have to to look at – you have to go all the way back to the source, man, and Dan Snyder and and, – and Bruce Allen and those guys, you know, running the organization the way that they do, um, they just have to to put aside their egos uh, to give the coaches and the and the players in the position, um, you know, give them an opportunity to make some to to make some strides as far as the team goes. Um, when you look at RG three taking this team to the playoffs, and then all of a sudden there's a debacle there. Um, you know, you have Kirk Cousins taking the team to the playoffs, and then there's a debacle there. Uh, you have Dwayne Haskins and and you know his ability, and you continue to keep saying that he's not ready. But you have coaches in place, and and you know not having him prepared. I mean, you know you've had this kid all the way back since May, and so uh, there, you know there there has to be uh, accountability on the end of, uh, of Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen.
1: I say fiction to that statement, and. Bruce Allen had a presser a couple of days ago to address the firing of Jay Gruden. And he essentially was naive to the fact that he's driven this organization into the ground. And what was once an iconic franchise that had a lot of success, all of a sudden it's been on a downhill slope. And it's been going at a rapid pace. But when you look at Bruce Allen and his tenure as the GM there in the nation's capital, the Redskins are 59-89-1 with zero eleven win seasons and zero divisional round playoff wins, one playoff appearance under Jay Gruden, and then you learn about the dysfunction drill, and let's take it all the way back to free agency when the Redskins once again open up the checkbook and sign Landon Collins to that mega six-year, $84 million deal, making him the highest-paid safety. Now, I don't have an issue with Landon Collins. I think that guy is a heck of a safety. But then again, it's kind of a head-scratcher because you, you read some reports about that, and apparently Snyder and Bruce Allen have kept Jay Gruden in the dark about a lot of their personnel decisions. And the rumor has it that Jay Gruden found out about that signing through the media before Bruce Allen had informed him that they were signing Landon Collins. And then that also piggybacks onto the dilemma with the whole Dwayne Haskins first-round pick where Jay Gruden didn't want Haskins, but Allen and Snyder did. So they went ahead and tuned out the rest of the front office and took their guy. So there is all kinds of underlying issues there in Washington. And so I don't necessarily think the firing of Jay Gruden is going to get things back on track.
2: I, I would agree with you. I think, you know, there has to be a line of agreement in which, you know, both both sides are willing to tote. You know, I think... Uh, you know Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder. You know obviously you know, Dan Snyder is your product. You know you you have the, you have sole ownership of the team. Um, you have the ability to make a lot of uh, decisions and calls. But when you know when it comes down to football, regardless of whether it's the players on the field or the people in the front office, it's an ultimate team sport. It's an ultimate team game. And so there's a lot of variations and a lot of moving parts in order to make an organization successful. And if there's dysfunction coming down from the head, then the rest of the the rest of the body is going to be dysfunctional as well. And so the guys that have been up under Dan Snyder, you know, they may have great intentions. They may have, you know, the the chance and, and, and the mindset in order to change this organization around. But if you have ownership that doesn't um, necessarily agree with those views and, and the honesty in which uh, and the coaches are presenting, then at the end of the day you're going to have moves like uh, signing guys, you know, without the head coach knowing you're going to have opportunities Uh, to to draft quarterbacks in which the head coach doesn't necessarily agree with working with. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's your product, but you also have to live with the results and you also have to live with the criticism that comes with uh, making these set decisions.
1: Right on. And so we'll see how things go on there in Washington. I know there's been some recent reports out there about Mike Tomlin being linked to the Redskins and a possible trade there. Of course, that's if he's not fired by the Steelers. They'd have to work out some type of agreement. So interesting and really fascinating development going on there in Washington with Snyder and Bruce Allen. But let's go on to the next statement here in the segment, and let's talk about... The Dallas Cowboys, because they have not put forth a good product on the field the last two weeks now that they played two viable contenders in the NFC, in the Saints and the Packers. So here's the statement. The Dallas Cowboys prove that they are overrated following their underwhelming performances against New Orleans and Green Bay the last two weeks. Is that fact or fiction, Jarrell?
2: Um. I necessarily wouldn't agree with uh, the fiction. I think that the Dallas Cowboys are a very good football team. Um, I think that they have the capabilities of, of possibly winning the Super Bowl. I believe that this, uh, you know, their slump over the last two weeks is just predicated to them feeling like that they have an opportunity to just throw their hat out there. And so, you know, teams that, you know, have the reputation of knocking off the juggernauts, you know, i.e. the Saints and the, and the the and the Green Bay Packers, they don't fear that star on their helmet. And so, you know, when you have opportunities to come out there and play, you know, uh, capable opponents, man, you have to compete with every ounce of your body. And so the Dallas Cowboys, you know, they failed to do that over the last few weeks. Um, The injuries up front, um, Tyron Smith needs to come back immediately uh, because, you know, Cameron filming is a, is a friend of mine. I've known him personally. Um, He's a good person inside and out, but, you know what the what the Green Bay Packers did to him last week was very was very shocking, and it should be alarming going off in the head. It should be an alarm going off in the head of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you know they have to understand that they have to compete with, with every ounce of their body. and So I definitely think that this statement is fiction as far as them. Um, you know necessarily being overrated, but I think that the Dallas Cowboys have to wake up and understand that they uh, they have a potential to do something special, and unless they get it together.
1: I'm going to say fiction as well. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys, they've looked very bad the last two weeks. Now, if you go back to the New Orleans Saints game, the defensive performance, it wasn't all that bad, you know, considering they're playing in a tough environment there in New Orleans. And now Teddy Bridgewater, the man can play football at a high level. I mean, he started there for the Vikings. And so while he is the backup to Drew Brees, He is still a very competent starter, and and it shows. He lit up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday, throwing for a pair of touchdowns and connecting with Michael Thomas. But it's really been the offense, Jarrell. We saw them get off to a hot start the first three weeks, and as expected, their opponents were very weak, the Giants, Redskins, and the Miami Dolphins. But I saw something very interesting, and I wanted to bring it up in the podcast And apparently a reporter who is covering the New Orleans Saints recently said that the Saints defense and their coaching staff looked at Kellen Moore's film when he played for the Boise State Broncos when he was quarterbacking. And they picked up on some of his hand signals and what he used there at Boise State and found a correlation of some of those signals. He was using as the play caller there for the Cowboys, and so they used that film to learn those hand gestures and pick up what the Cowboys were going to run on certain situations. And so it was a really interesting factoid, and so that shows why the Cowboys' offense hasn't necessarily looked as impressive as they did the first two weeks because perhaps these defenses are starting to pick up on what Kellen Moore likes to do and picking up on those tendencies. I still do think the Cowboys are a very talented team, but as I told you, Jarrell, during the game, it starts at the top, and I'm not sold on Jason Uh, Garrett. So that's my opinion. I think there's plenty of football left. Obviously, we're just through five weeks of play, entering week six. So the season's still out there to get. But it could get really ugly very soon if this Cowboys team doesn't flip that switch on and Garrett gets his coaching staff and this team back where they need to be. Yeah, I
2: would agree with you in that regard. I think um, you know they have to get better in the passing game. I mean, obviously, you know, the statistics kind of vary as far as uh, what the, what the team is actually doing on offense. Amari Cooper seems to be the only one that can get off a press man and uh, have opportunity to make some plays downfield. And so uh, that's what the Green Bay Packers did. They, they were able to get up in the faces of these receivers. Um, You know, Randall Cobb is is known for being able to have opportunity to get off press, but he looked, he seemed to have a a difficult time um, on Sunday. And, um, and so uh, at the end of the day, they're going to have to find valuable options when when the when the situation breaks down, and these receivers are going to have to give uh, Dak Prescott an opportunity to get the ball out fast because we know that the offensive line can't necessarily hold up um, for long periods of time. And so, you know, they have to get everything together offensively, man. It can't just be Zeke first, second down, and then all of a sudden we want to throw the ball. Um, you know, the signals with Kellen Moore; those can change. You know that you know after you find a, a situation where people have scouted. Uh, those calls, man. You can get a whole new sheet of calls this week, but the production has to come uh, from within, um, starting with the guys up front and uh, ending with that Prescott.
1: Okay, let's go ahead and talk about a team from the AFC that was regarded as a bottom feeder entering the 2019 season. They were given a lot of coverage on hard knocks. It's John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders, and man, they're off to a hot start, 3-2. and two, Knocked off the Bears in London on Sunday, 24-21. Now, of course, they got out to a huge lead and nearly blew it to Chase Daniel, but they got that ground game going, and they just really bullied that Chicago defensive front. Josh Jacobs, their first-round running back, going for over 100 yards. They're looking really good. Derek Carr has been efficient. He's not going for three, 400 yards a game. But, for instance, on Sunday, 25 of 32, 229 yards, spreading the ball around to nine different receivers, and that's because he was without his number one target, Tyrell Williams, who's dealing with the foot injury. So the statement is the Oakland Raiders are legitimate playoff contenders after an impressive 3-2 and two start to the season. Fact or fiction?
2: I believe it's fiction. Um, solely on the their, their schedule, uh, with the two road games coming up against the Packers and Texans, um, you know they're going to be a tough matchup, especially um, against both offenses that seem to be fine on all cylinders at the moment. The Detroit Lions at home, they're going to be a very tough, uh, very tough out for them. Um, the Chargers being a divisional opponent, offensively they're starting to come around. I think they're going to improve by this time, um, by this Thursday night game, and so. Uh, I think it's winnable for them within the division, Uh, having the capability to run the ball. I think when you look at the Indianapolis Colts and what they were able to do against the Chiefs last week, um, there's a formula there for for them to beat the juggernauts within the division, and they have the ability to run the football and run the football well. Um, They know who they are. Derek Hart doesn't make mistakes at this moment in time. He realizes that he doesn't have an Amari Cooper anymore, so he has to be smart with the football, and John Gruden is keeping him out of those situations. So um, they definitely constrained some, some wins together, but to be a, 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 um, to be competitive within the AFC conference, I just think that there are several teams that are ahead of them and have the opportunity to, uh, to move past them. And so, um, you know, the Broncos winning this past weekend was uh, very exciting to see, and, as well as um, the Jaguars, I think they're going to continue to keep making a run. And so I just think it's going to be tough for this Raiders team.
1: I can certainly see your points, but I'm actually going to say fact. And it's crazy because I was one of them that had Oakland finishing in the bottom of the AFC West. I just didn't see them finding this much success at this point in their their rebuild because they have a lot of young players, a lot of new pieces, and so that sometimes takes time to gel and mesh as a unit. But I'm going to say it's a factor just for the fact that they can run the ball, and they can dominate the time of possession. And with that formula of being able to run the ball that effectively, and you're having Maulers, Richie Incognito on that line, Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, who's working his way back from injury, Josh Jacobs, and Darren Waller, that, that tight end who's, uh, by the way, used to be a receiver, but when he landed in Oakland, they turned him to a tight end, and he is quickly emerging as one of the younger best tight ends in this game. And it's not going to be long before more people know about his name, but then defensively, I look at guys like Max Crosby, the rookie defensive end, Clayton Farrell, who's gotten off to a little bit of a slower start, but he's starting to pick things up to hear Whitehead, Garyon Conley, and then on the back end, LaMarcus Joyner, Carl Joseph. So this team is very well-rounded. I like that formula of them going to the ground game, dominating, pummeling their opponents. I know you talked about the Colts, and that's exactly the way they operate. And so looking at their schedule, they're on a bye week, then they got a tough schedule with at Green Bay, at Houston, and then home to Detroit and the Chargers. But I don't know. I just have a very interesting feeling about this John Gruden team. They clearly bought into his vision, and I really didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought Gruden was going to lose the locker room for some of the antics and personnel moves that he did. But it really is, Jarrell, impressive to see how this team has improved and overcame that whole Antonio Brown circus. So I'm going to go ahead and say fact. I think this Raiders team is going to continue to surprise a lot of people.
2: Yeah, I think I, I think they're going to be very competitive. I just think, you know, when it comes down to crunch time, you know, obviously Jay uh, John Gruden, excuse me, is a, a very uh, exciting coach. He knows he's been seeing the game from up top for a very long time. So he kind of understands coaches, personnel, um, various situations, um, and, and he can call the game kind of like a like a Tony Romo in a sense. And I understand his mindset and IQ is very is very uh, very strategic. And so, you know, it plays well for for not making mistakes with Derek Carr, and you know, factoring in with the amount of times that they run the football. But I just think that when it comes down to crunch time, and you need you know players to make plays, I just don't necessarily see them having that offensively to be able to carry them throughout the season.
1: All right, let's go ahead and move to the next statement here. And this one comes with Christian McCaffrey. The guy has gone off this season. Cam Newton's been hurt, but he has been the Carolina Panthers offense, shouldering the load every single Sunday. Again, coming off with 176 rush yards, two touchdowns on just 19 carries in Sunday's 34-27 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the statement is... Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey should be a top candidate in the MVP race after five weeks of play.
2: Without a doubt. Uh, we haven't seen a running back do this since Jim Brown uh, when it comes to uh, averaging over 150 uh, yards of, of from scrimmage uh, over the first four games. And so, you know, you have to give credit where credit is due. Um, they're not playing. They're, they're without their MVP quarterback and Cam Newton. Um, he was struggling even before uh, this, even when he was under, you know, at the helm as far as the quarterback goes. But uh, you know, he's giving confidence to this guy, Kyle Allen. Uh, this Kyle Allen continues to not make any mistakes, and the defense is playing lights out, man. And so when you have a guy that continues to keep shoulder uh, in the low week in and week out, and uh, this is what we were expecting to see in Le'Veon Bell when it comes to um, trend setting a, a team and taking a team and and um, giving and fueling them. Throughout the year, and so you know it's it's very it's very uh, encouraging and inspiring inspiring to be able to see Christian McCaffrey uh, do that for this Panthers team. So I would definitely say fact uh, for the MVP candidacy.
1: I say fact as well. McCaffrey's 866 yards from scrimmage to open the season is second most in NFL history since 1950, behind only Jim Brown's 988 in 1963, per NFL Research. He's doing some crazy things. Now, it's worth noting that the last non-quarterback to win the NFL MVP award was Adrian Peterson in 2012 with his 2097-yard rushing season. So the guy, we all remember when AP was in his prime, the guy was superb, man. He was dominant. So we'll see if Christian McCaffrey can break the mold, but right now... I agree with you. I do think he should be mentioned as the number one candidate in the MVP race. So let's go ahead and move to the final fact fiction segment before we get into our week six game picks. And this comes... In San Francisco, the 49ers are coming off an absolute massacre over the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football. 31-3, to Kyle Shanahan looks like he's got his team rolling and firing on all cylinders. So the statement is, the San Francisco 49ers are the best team in the NFC after improving to 4-0. I would have to
2: say fiction with that. Uh, there's a lot of teams that I would still put ahead of them. Um, this upcoming game against the Rams would, would uh, hold a lot of weight if they were able to pull out this win on the road. Uh, I also would have to give it to the Seahawks in the way that Russell Wilson continues to play in his MVP-like season, um, as well as the Green Bay Packers. I think with them having the defense finally, and uh, the way and way that Aaron Rodgers is playing, and and um, having Aaron Jones, you know, come out the backfield and, and contribute the way he did last week against a good defensive defense in Dallas and the Dallas Cowboys. I think that all three of those teams have opportunities to uh, to be at the top of the NFC, and so. With that being said, the 49ers have the formula in, in order to get there. They do have the defensive line play with all those first-round picks up front. They're playing phenomenal um, as far as the defense is, is, is concerned. I think uh, we still need to see more out of Jimmy Garoppolo. The running game has been spectacular with Brennan and, and Tev- Tevin Coleman, um, but I'm not I'm not necessarily sold on uh, Jimmy Garoppolo just yet. Like If he can have that type of impact that he had last year, when he's uh when he's when he strung together those those five, six wins before uh and, and being undefeated before an injury, I think that the 49ers definitely have a shot to do that. But until I see that that type of Jimmy Garoppolo performance, um, I don't think that they would be uh the top of the NFC um at the at year's end. They'll be in the mix, but I don't necessarily think they'll be at the top.
1: I'll oppose you. I say fact. I'm convinced with this Niners team. I understand I look at the Seahawks, the Saints, the Green Bay Packers, those are some and even the Eagles. I look at those teams and I say those those teams are true contenders. And it's hard because you look at the Niners and the big argument against them right now is who they play. The soft schedule, we saw them come out and beat Tampa Bay 31-17 in week one. Then they beat an underwhelming Bengals squad 41-17, beat Pittsburgh and Mason Rudolph 24-20 despite turning the ball over five times, and then crushed Cleveland on Monday Night Football. But I'm convinced Jarrell solely because of this defense i mean they are a terror and they go and get after opposing quarterbacks they're fourth right now in total offense and so you mentioned their run game they're first in the nfl they're still without joe staley who they're going to get back from injury later in the season but then let's go back to this defense they're second in the nfl in total defense second in pass defense and fifth in run defense and look at that front seven Led by DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, and then you got Nick Bosa, who had a coming out party on Monday night, Quan Alexander, who you played with there in Tampa Bay. Of course, he was out with that ACL injury for a while. And then Richard Sherman anchoring the secondary. So they have that formula to come at you, get after the passer with that pass rush, and then they're going to get back their other starting corner, Akello Witherspoon, who's out with an injury. So they'll be getting some reinforcements there. But Kyle Shanahan, I think he's starting to show everybody in the rest of the NFL the type of offensive wizard he is because with that zone run scheme, it sets up a lot of stuff down the field with play action. And I understand Jimmy Garoppolo... He hasn't had to do much. He's just kind of had to manage the game, make a 10-yard pass there, 15-yard pass there. And most of those passes, his receivers are wide open, George Kittle, Marquise Goodwin. But that, you got to credit to Kyle Shanahan and his scheme. And so I, I really do believe this Niners team is the real deal. Thus, making them the best team in the NFC right now. Again, they got the Rams on Sunday at the Coliseum. That's going to be a fun game to watch to see how this defense responds against Jared Goff and Sean McVay. But right now, I give the Niners a top spot in the NFC.
2: Yeah, man, four four weeks have they they've definitely been impressive. Um, this week is definitely going to uh, have a, a lot to say. So as far as. Um, facing a divisional opponent as well as uh, you know, a team that that you know that have uh, the NFC runner, uh, NFC champs from last year. And so, it'll be very interesting to see how they hold their own as far as far as being on the road. Um, I think that Aaron Donald's going to have opportunity to make some big plays against this team, and uh, and I uh, you know even with uh, even with the blowout, man, um, Cleveland has some opportunities to get back there against Jimmy Garoppolo, and they uh, they had some opportunities to make some plays. If um, if the Rams can play better up front, than then the Cleveland Browns did last year, um, last week as far as the running game goes. And I don't, I, I think that the Rams will have a lot of uh, a lot to say. So a lot to say this week as far as uh, that matchup.
1: It's definitely going to be a fun one to watch and one that we will be giving our picks here. And we're going to go in and get started with those game six picks, Daryl. We're going to get rolling here as we also get to some fan questions to end the show. So. First matchup of week number six. I think this is going to be a very lopsided game. We got the Giants going on the road to take on the Patriots on Thursday night football. Daniel Jones. He's going to be without Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard. Evan Ingram is unlikely to play with an MCL sprain. They are going to be down a ton of their top offensive weapons. Give me the Patriots 34 to 10 at home. I look for Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. I know it's a short week. But they're going to go out there, they're going to put on a clinic in front of their home fans.
2: Yes, sir, I would have to agree with you. Um, you know, Belichick coming off a short week, um, you know that the Giants are going to do things very simplistic for this, uh, for this offense coming up this week. And so I think that the Patriots have every opportunity to take advantage of it. And so I have the Patriots winning 38 to 13. I have them dominating, but I do have Daniel Jones getting a, a few uh, a few scoring drives in there.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun. This will be the first time I get to watch Daniel Jones on national TV because I haven't been able to get those Giants games. So I'm looking forward to seeing him and how he handles a tough defense, the Patriots, who, by the way, are number one in the NFL in total defense. So he's going to have his hands full going up against New England. Now the next game here on the docket, Panthers at Buccaneers. This one's in London. This is a 9.30 a.m. Eastern time start for us in the States. I'm actually going to roll with Tampa Bay. I know Carolina's on a little bit of a run with Kyle Allen and Christian McCaffrey. We talked about how outstanding he's been this season. But if you remember, these two teams met on Thursday Night Football in week two. And Todd Bowles and that Buccaneers defense, they sure stalled Christian McCaffrey. They completely cut off his success. They double teamed him when he went out for pass routes. And I look for Todd Bowles to dial up another strong game plan that's going to not completely shut down McCaffrey, but limit his success, thus giving Jameis Winston and this Buccaneers offense a lot of success to the air with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Give me the Bucs 37-27.
2: Ooh, that's a very high-scoring game, man. I would have to disagree with you. I think that the Panthers are going to be looking for redemption. Uh, they, failed last year. they failed earlier in the year as far as the goal line. I think this team is going to be ramped up. The, the positive for that is the fact that they're in London and not in Tampa, dealing with uh, the stress of having a road, um, a, a road, uh, a road team as far as the crowd and all that stuff goes. And so, I think that the Panthers are going to have an opportunity to win this game. I think they're going to win this game and at, at score to twenty-seven to twenty-four. I think it's going to be a very close game, like it was before. Um, but I, I do think Christian McCaffrey finds ways to impact the game. It might not necessarily be high as far as the, the yards uh, per play or, or yards from the scrimmage, but I think that he finds a way to get in the end zone at least two or three times.
1: All right, now we got the tankathon thon game, Jarrell. Redskins at the Dolphins. Which team is going to get their first win of the season? This one is in Miami. I give it to the Redskins, 17-13, but I really do think this game is going to be a snoozer Yet a fun one and entertaining. I, I almost feel like fans from these teams—they're going to want their team to lose to ensure the higher draft slot come April. But give me the skins, seventeen thirteen.
2: Um, I too have the skins, but I haven't winning at a total of thirteen to ten. Um, I would love to see uh, Adrian Peterson have opportunity to really run the ball, and I think that it's a shame that he's kind of like wilting away out there in, in DC when he could have opportunity to be with um you know some type of franchise competing for a championship I think that his career has earned that. But um with the Redskins, man, I think that they uh, I think they're gonna take this one 13 to 10. Um I don't necessarily think that anybody's gonna be there. Everybody's gonna be relaxing <laughs> doing something else.
1: <laughs> yeah I agree with that one. Now we got a couple of good games coming up Jrell Eagles at Vikings. We just talked To Brandon Graham, and he was talking about that Minnesota rushing attack with Dalvin Cook. This is going to be in Minnesota. But I'm going to take the Eagles to win this one. As much as it hurts my soul to go with the green, I just feel like this team's rolling right now. Doug Peterson and his offensive game plan is going to be the difference. That Philly front seven, those are some bad dudes. Fletcher Cox in the middle. I think they're going to shut down Dalvin Cook, which is going to force Kirk Cousins to go to the air. We've seen him. He, of course, had a big game against the Giants last week, but New York secondary, they are discombobulated, not looking too good. I look for Philadelphia to get after Cousins, get a couple of turnovers, and then have Jordan Howard dominate the ground game along with Miles Sanders and uh, get Alshon Jeffrey involved in the pass game. So give me the Eagles 24-21 in a tight one.
2: Um, I, personally, uh, I personally have the, uh, the Eagles winning this one as well. Um, But I have them winning in a score of 31 uh, to 27. I think that it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think that both defensive lines up front are going to try to establish shutting down the run. And um, I think that last week, you know, the Minnesota Vikings gained some confidence in in what they are capable of doing offensively. Um, You know, you had a a chance to rub shoulders and kind of get into good graces now. So you have opportunity to kind of write the ship this week, and I think that the I think Kirk Cousins and the receivers that he has are going to get be on the same page, um, but I don't necessarily think it's going to uh, lead to a win. So I have them uh, have the Eagles winning 31 to 27.
1: Okay, both riding with the Eagles this week. Now another good one here on the game slate: the Texans at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are injury plagued. They lost a lot of players on Sunday night in that Colts game. Patrick Mahomes looked a little hobbled with that ankle injury. They're playing at home at Arrowhead Stadium. Coming in is Deshaun Watson and that hot Texans offense, Will Fuller. This is going to be a shootout in my opinion. I'm still going to give the slight edge to Kansas City, the home squad. Give me Patrick Mahomes, 38-34 to 34 over the Texans.
2: Oh, I would have to disagree with you, man. I think that the Texans are rolling um, at this point in time. Uh, the the Indianapolis coach, man, really opened up the blueprint as far as how to beat the the uh, the Chiefs, and so you know JJ Watt and Whitney Merciless are going to be licking their chops in order to get back there to Mahomes to see if he can still be as agile as he wants to be, and so I technically um, I have the, the 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 Texans coming in and winning at a score of thirty to uh, to twenty four. I think it's going to be a shootout, but I think Deshaun Watson and what he's able to do and um, the inability for the uh for the Chiefs to really stop anybody offensively other than um uh other than really last week, I think that uh that they're gonna have opportunity um to take advantage of, of the Chiefs in the passing game. So I have them winning a score of thirty to twenty
1: four. All right, Saints at Jaguars will the Minshew Mania continue taking on a rolling Saints squad drill. Who do you have taking this one?
2: Man, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a very tough game and a very close game, but I I, I actually have the Jaguars uh, beating the Saints a score of seventeen to fourteen. I think that the that the Jaguars are gonna do everything in their power to run the football as many times as possible and to get uh, third down situations where Minshew could either use his legs or his arms in order to to keep the chains rolling. Um, I think that they're, they're they play a lot better at home. And uh, they're about due for uh, a substantial win. So I have the Jags winning 17-14. Uh, to 14.
1: I, too, am going with the Jaguars in this one, 26-21. to 21. At the end of the day, Gardner Minshew, the first couple performances, I was like, okay, this guy is a six-round pick. Give it time. But he is lighting defenses up. On the regular and going up against New Orleans and Marshawn Lattimore, he has been playing some sensational football, locking down opposing teams number one wideout. So I look for him to go at DJ Chark, who's been having himself a nice season in Jacksonville. But when it comes down to it, I like Jacksonville's defense to somehow find a way to limit Teddy Bridgewater and Alvin Kamara. Gardner Minshew make some big-time throws. Give me the Jags, 26-21. So we'll go to the next game here, Seahawks at the Browns. Will the Browns rebound, Jarrell, or will the Seahawks and Russell Wilson go in and take another win?
2: I think I actually look for the Browns to rebound at home uh, this week. I know that they're going to get really high up for the Seahawks coming in. Um, they understand what's at stake. They understand, you know, uh, that this is their season, this win, this this game right here, because they definitely can't fall to two and four and um, and think that they have an opportunity to get back into the to the AFC race. And, um, you know, they have opportunity as far as within their division, but I don't necessarily think that they have an opportunity as far as the conference goes. And so um, they they need to they need this win in order to really uh, to really gain some traction for their season. So I, uh, I have the Cleveland Browns winning um, 28 uh, to 27.
1: I have the Hawks taking this one on the road twenty-seven twenty. I know the Browns, they're inconsistent roller coaster offense right now. We saw them go off against Baltimore and then absolutely get shut down against San Francisco. So it's going to help them that they're at home. But Russell Wilson, he is playing at another level right now. He's the difference, completing some throws down the field late in this game to give the Hawks a narrow 27-20 victory over the Cleveland Browns. Next game, Bengals at Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to have this one rather easily against the reeling Bengals squad that is has a lot of holes on that roster, especially the offensive line. Look for Baltimore's D-line to expose that weakness give me the Ravens big 31 13 in a game that Lamar Jackson gets back to some success in the past game yeah I
2: have them dominating the Bengals and a score 28 to 3 but Lamar Jackson has to pick it up three interceptions last week is not going to get it done uh, for this team offensively Uh, luckily the Bengals uh, secondary isn't really isn't really good even though they have two of my Michigan State buddies over there. So they're going to have to pick it up this week, man, and, um, and do better in their secondary. But I, th- but I think that uh, Lamar Jackson is going to find some success through the passing game, and so I have them winning 28-3.
1: Now we got another big-time NFC clash. We talked a little bit about it earlier in the podcast. The 49ers, who are one of two unbeaten teams along with the Patriots, they're going to take on the L.A. Rams at the Coliseum on Sunday. So, Jarrell, who are you taking?
2: Man, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, uh, just like the Seahawks and Rams type of uh, ordeal. Um, but I have the Rams winning 37-34. Uh, to 34. Um, I just think that uh, they're going to find a way to, to, to string some things together. Um, Todd Gurley hasn't looked like Todd Gurley this year, but I think that they're going to find ways to get him the ball out the backfield because they're not going to be able to run it against this defensive front. Um, but I think that they're going to have some success with Cooper Cup and – and those guys down the field. So I have them winning 37-34. to
1: I have the Niners staying unbeaten, going to 5-0 with a very tight win, 27-26 over the Rams. I think the difference here is the 49ers' ability to run the ball, to take up time of possession, keep the ball out of Jared Goff's hands. And when Jared Goff does have the ball – He's been very turnover prone this season, and I think the San Francisco front's gonna get after him. LA's offensive line has been rattled, they've dealt with some injuries. The Niners will win the battle in the trenches, giving them a slight one point advantage over the Rams. So San Francisco 27, LA 26. Now for the next matchup here, Falcons at the Arizona Cardinals. I have Arizona winning in a close game, 30 to 26 over the Falcons. Man, I picked the Falcons to win the last couple of weeks, but something just is not clicking there with Dan Quinn. In fact, you and I, we talked about his job security in a fact fiction segment last week. And just can't really get my mind around how this team looks so incompetent on a week to week basis with the talent they have the cardinals got their first win last week i look for them to win again at home
0: 30-26 yeah i have
2: the cardinals winning um, in a score of uh, 27 to 24 um i think that uh, the fo- the falcons are going to have to make changes after this game especially losing to a one and one three and one team so Um, I have the Cardinals uh, getting another win, uh, stringing together, uh, back-to-back wins, uh, 27-24.
1: Now, America's Game of the Week with America's team. The Cowboys taking on the winless New York Jets. Who are going to get Sam Darnold back, who was out for the last three games with Mono. This is 4.25 p.m. Eastern Time start. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, Jarrell. I'm kind of concerned about this game because the Jets, I know they haven't looked very good, but they've been playing with Luke Falk, who's a third-string quarterback. They get their starter back. This is going to be close. I still have Dallas winning... 24-20 over the Jets, but I do think that this Jets defense led by Jamal Adams looks like they may be able to get C.J. Mosley back in the lineup who's been out since week one. This is going to be a tight game, and I really do think Le'Veon Bell is going to have some success on the ground considering how the Dallas defense has struggled stopping the run. But I think at the end, Dallas somehow overcomes some adversity on the road, and they get the win 24-20.
2: Uh, well, I got Dallas dominating 30-17. to 17. Um, I think they're going to right the ship and get back on track. Um, I think the Sam Darnold coming back is cool, but I don't necessarily believe in him um, wholeheartedly to beat a good Dallas defense. So,
1: All right. Now we got three games left. We'll run through here and get to the fan question. So Titans yeah. at Broncos. Give me the Broncos 21-17. Joe Flacco's looked pretty good. And Titans, they just really don't have a whole lot of explosiveness with Mariota under center. Denver gets another win. I do.
2: I agree with you. I think that the Broncos are gonna uh, put t- put together back-to-back wins. I just don't necessarily believe in this Titans offense, um, and I think that the Broncos have opportunity um, to stack a, uh, some success of what they did last week. But I have I have the Broncos winning a score of uh, twenty to ten.
1: Okay. Now for the primetime matchups, Jarrell, Steelers at Chargers. The Steelers are going to be using Devlin Hodges, a third-string quarterback going up against an L.A. team that hasn't looked very good this season. I give the Chargers the edge, 28-17 in primetime. The Steelers' defense is still pretty talented, but I look for Phillip Rivers to have a bounce-back game here, so they'll take the win on Sunday night.
2: I would agree with you. I have uh, have the Chargers... uh two winning in um, a score of 28-13. to 13. I think that the defense is going to be competitive.
1: They might even get a couple of turnovers off Silver
2: Rivers, but um, the Chargers office is going to find some stride over these next couple weeks.
1: Now, the Monday night game, which I'm really looking forward to watching. I'm sure you are too, Jarrell. It's going to be an NFC North clash. The Lions taking on the Packers in Green Bay. This is going to be a tight win, and I'm actually going to go with the underdog. Give me the Detroit Lions to win this one. 27-24. I think they go in there they dominate the ground game with Carryon Johnson. We know Green Bay has struggled to stop the run. This is where Detroit will be able to go in and make their money. Plus Matt Stafford, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones. That offense has looked very good. And then that defense as well. So Matt Patricia, I'm sure, will craft a defensive game plan that's going to slow down Aaron Rodgers in that attack. Another big question mark is if Devontae Adams is going to be available. If he is, and I think that helps Green Bay, obviously. But if he doesn't, that's a big-time loss for them. But anyways, give me Detroit by
2: three, 27-24. Man, you got to be kidding me. No, I'm just joking. But look, I think
1: <laughs> the Packers. I think the Packers are going to have opportunity to dominate
2: at home. Uh, they built a lot of confidence coming off coming from Dallas. Uh, this defense is looking really great. Uh, they uh, and if they can have opportunity to get Devontae Adams back, I think they're going to be even better. And so, um, I have the Packers dominating these guys uh, coming up this week in um, a score of thirty-four to ten. I think that they're going to be feeling it. Um, It's going to be prime time at Lambeau, and it's going to have an opportunity for for Rodgers to put on a big show. And um, his success previously uh, against Detroit all-time just speaks for itself. And so I I have uh, Aaron Rodgers dominating.
1: All right. Now, for the sake of time, we're going to have two – answers for a couple of questions now this is something we do weekly starting last week we like for the fans to send in questions got a whole bunch for this week so i appreciate y'all sending in the questions we can't get to all of them unfortunately but we will continue this throughout the season so here's one in your opinion where should the blame go for the Browns' struggles baker mayfield their defense or freddie kitchens tyler wants to know so what's your take on this drill
2: um, I wouldn't necessarily say uh, Baker Mayfield, but I think collectively, man, their offensive of line, Baker Mayfield, and um, and their inability to be consistent uh, as far as the receiving game goes, uh, I think that is what really plays a part. I think their defense is being competitive; they're 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 causing situations for them uh, to have some success, but. You know, ultimately, man, when you have, you know, a team going three and out, three and out or interception or fumble or, or just kind of uh, blows uh, to your adversity, I mean, to your your mental, man, it's, it's kind of hard to kind of keep opposing offenses out the end zone. I think their defense has been competitive all year and um, they will continue to keep getting better. They have the superstars on that side uh, to be able to make a lot of plays. Um, I just think that Baker Mayfield, uh, his inability to see over big guys has played a part as well as uh, the inconsistency uh, with, with receivers, as well as, um, as well as the offensive line play as well um, to, uh, to, uh, to continue with that.
1: My response to this question, I think uh, the blame, you cannot just put it all on one person or one aspect, but a big part of the blame should go to that offensive line. And when they traded for Odell Beckham Jr., they gave up arguably their best offensive line and Kevin Zeitler. And they're paying for that now, Drew. as we saw the last couple of weeks. The Cleveland Browns cannot protect Baker Mayfield and it does not help that Mayfield is 6 feet tall and is unable to see over his linemen and so you see a lot of batted passes as you talked about. So it starts up front and without them being able to effectively protect Baker Mayfield and give him the necessary time to read the defense, I think that that needs to change It needs to improve if this Browns offense wants to reach their maximum potential because you can have all the top skill players in the NFL as they do Jarvis Landry Odell Beckham Jr. Nick Chubb the running back and they're going to be getting Kareem Hunt back from suspension after week eight so a lot of firepower but without a good offensive line they're going to continue to struggle offensively so that's my take now the last question here that we'll address on the show comes from the username Blitzum on Instagram I looked for his name he didn't have it attached so we'll go ahead and say Blitzum. <laughs> but have you guys heard about the Browns listening to trade offers for Odell Beckham Jr.? I guess there's some rumors out there and um, I'll go ahead and answer that and then I'll toss it to you to drill. But I actually reached out to some, uh, some agents that I am in contact with and As far as I'm concerned, these are just rumors. The Browns are not listening to trade offers for Odell Beckham Jr. It would actually be kind of naive on their end considering what they gave up to get him. It's still early in the season, but should the Browns make him available? I think there's a couple of landing spots for him, including the New England Patriots, who are always in the market to acquire a high-profile receiver. We saw that with Antonio Brown. Obviously, it didn't work out. But in the end, I think Odell stays put in Cleveland. That's just my side of of the take. I don't know how you feel about it, Joel.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you, man. I think the Browns would be foolish to try to move him or or um, to to move on from him so early, man. I mean, I think uh, personally, he's uh, he's displayed a good uh, uh, he had a good display of character. Hasn't been in the media a lot, how he, how he used to be in the um, in the Giants uh, organization. Um, comes to work, I think he has, you know, the ability to continue to keep making plays. The, and you can see that they want to have some success with him by the the, the plethora of plays that they're uh, that they have at their disposal uh, when it comes to to their offensive game plan. I mean, you come out the first play and you throw a, a receiver pass down the field. I mean, I mean, obviously you you know who the playmaker is within that offense. And so, I think it would be foolish for the Browns to to even consider moving this uh, a type of player like this. Um, I think it would have to be changes within the front office in order for them uh, to have the success that they want. Um, the, the defensive coordinator and the head coach and officer coordinator uh, have to be responsible for uh, the flaws in which their teams uh, are displaying right now. And so um, I would start with the front office first before I would even have any opportunity to try to move a guy that's as electrifying as him and a guy that's been displaying a, a good, Uh, Had had a good display of character so far um, since you've acquired him on the team
1: yeah I I agree with that right there so that's going to do it for today's podcast I appreciate all the questions y'all sent in we're going to continue to address these as we move forward again Jarrell thanks for joining the podcast again and looking forward to seeing some awesome football this weekend in both college with the Red River rivalry along with uh, Sunday and Monday as well in the NFL so enjoy your weekend brother take care and God bless Man, likewise, I appreciate it, every opportunity that I have uh, to be able to
2: talk about the game that I love so much. And uh, fans, again, we appreciate the feedback. We appreciate all the questions and the concerns. And um, as we try to continue to get better on the, on the show, uh, we're going to just try to continue to gain more traction. So we appreciate you guys again.
1: All right, buddy. Well, take care, man. We'll be in contact next week.